Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. So awesome to be uh, involved in whatever he's doing, and so awesome to be in his presence. And um, when I was praying for you guys in the week, I'm like, Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to say? Um, and I kept fe- hearing this thing about hope, you know, just hope. And um, so I want to speak to you on that. And hopefully, hopefully, that's good. Hopefully, um, hopefully the anointing of His presence will come and He will do something glorious in our midst, right? But here's the thing, hope, right? Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 12, I think it is, yes. It says that hope, famous verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And when I was thinking about you guys this week, that verse was on my heart. And um, I'm going to try and bring it together. So just be patient with me. But Here's the thing, hope deferred, and it's, and it's interesting because it says in Romans that hope will not put you to shame, right? Hope will not, not put you to shame, but hope deferred makes the heart sick. So that's hope that is dragged out, dragged out, that's lingering, that's, you know, it's kind of waning and it's not, not coming to fruit. It actually makes the heart sick, right? But next, ver- next line, uh, the, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life, right? And I think, I think lots of people in the body are sitting with sick hearts in this season, right? They're not healthy in heart, and it's because of this hope deferred thing, right? And I, I fully get it. It's annoying when the goalpost keeps moving, right? That's kind of frustrating when the goalpost keeps moving and it keeps moving, and every time you think you're there, uh, we worked in, in very rural, very rural villages, for the last seven years, like, and when I mean village, I don't, like, I have, we have a Swiss friend, and he's like, he lives in a village. I'm like, no, 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 you don't live in a village. I live in a village, right? A village for us means there's no running water. There's only, uh, you call it latrines, right? Yeah, we call it outhouse, right? We, we call it a long drop because, yeah. And, uh, uh, we work among the, the Kosa-speaking people, very language of the cliques. We can't speak it. He can, but we can't. And um, so it, it's been awesome. But one of the things that you learn there is that the goalposts are moving every single day because no commitment is true. Uh, everybody's coming to church tomorrow. I promise you, Pastor, I'm coming tomorrow. They're not coming tomorrow. In the beginning, we were so excited. We really believed them, but they're a bunch of liars. I'm not going to lie to you. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that one guy has been promising for seven years and I mean he's my neighbor he lives right like literally lives right there like there he is and he's still not come to church for seven years so, so hope deferred can make the heart sick if the goalpost keeps moving all the time right but it's but a desire fulfilled is a tree is a tree of life but Psalm 37 verse 4 says that Um, delight yourself in the Lord, and I will give you the desires of your heart, right? So desire fulfilled is a tree of life, but the beginning point of it is delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, now to me, that can mean a lot of things, like delight yourself in the Lord, and He's going to actually give you what you want. That's maybe one way of thinking of it. But I've come to believe that that's more about when I delight myself in God, He's actually going to give me a desire, the right desire, right? So my craving is going to move in the right direction. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, I, I think, I think that the only way that can happen is if my hope have shifted from Him, right? And the desire of my heart has been something that's birthed out of myself and not out of the Lord. Yeah? So it got perverted somewhere along, somewhere along the line. And what He wants to do is He wants to restore the joy of feasting on the tree of life. 
Because what, what does scripture say? In him, every promise finds its yes, to which we give the amen. So in him, desire, des, every desire that we need fulfilling has found a yes in him. Right? So the focus, the question is, if my heart is sick, have my affection grown in the wrong direction? Yeah? But if my affection is healthy, my desire will be fulfilled, and it's a tree of life. Right? And he is the tree of life, by the way. That's the good news. But he wants to restore healthy hope. Because what is the other scripture that we all know? It's Colossians 1.27, Christ in you. Yeah. And we have a glory night. The hope. See, I'm doing glory. The hope of glory. Yeah. The hope of glory. Right? So, again, it's about the focus. It's about what is awakened in my heart. What is the awakening in my spirit? What am I focusing on in my mind? Where is my affection? What am I drawn towards? Hope deferred is going to make the heart sick, definitely. And the goalposts do keep on moving, like my village neighbor who still not come to church. Still not. So he gets drunk every day, right? Every day he gets drunk. Uh, Chris is his name. And every day when he gets drunk, it either goes one or two ways. It's just an example. So just a silly story. No, it's not silly. It's real. So either he would come by my house around 11 or 12 at night, which is a little bit scary because it's just a little bit scary, right? So he would come by my house at 11 or 12 at night, and he would speak Koza, which I don't understand. But when he's drunk, his English is brilliant. I don't know how that works, right? <laughs> and then, then he either goes off confessing sin, which is so weird, because he knows I'm sleeping, and he's like, oh, umfundis, which is pastor. He's like, oh, pastor, oh, I'm such a bad person. He's just, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm, I'm sleep, I'm, honestly, I'm sleeping, the lights are off. He just feels the need to confess stuff, right? And then I'm like, oh, surely he's coming to church tomorrow. Then he doesn't, right? Then the next night, he'll come by, and he'll just curse me. Like, honestly, he would just curse us for two hours, just shouting, and I'm like, oh, Gosh, Chris, you're waking up the kids. This sucks. You know, um, why am I telling that story? I hope deferred. So my point is, if I'm measuring life based on whether Chris is coming to church or not, then one night I'm going to be super excited because he's drunk and he's confessing sin. So I'm going, yes. But then tomorrow night he's turning on me and he's cursing me. So I'm going to go, oh, I don't know, which is a good, I'm worried to say something, and then it's a bad word. So I'm like, oh, nuts. <laughs> That's that selfie, right? <laughs> oh, nuts. There we go again. My point is, if I'm measuring life based on Chris coming to church or not, I'm going to be, I'm going to sit with a sick heart every single day of my life. If I measure life on my bank account, I'm going to sit with it, well, for some of us, we're going to sit with a sick heart every day of your life. If you measure life based on the people that works for you, works with you, or your wife, or your husband's behavior, especially when we're pregnant, it's going to be rough, right? You're going to have a sick heart every single day. Just an example, right? The point being, we need to find something that is a tree of life. And he's a person. And his name is Jesus, right? And when he becomes my desire, there's a tree of life. Christ in me, everybody, we want, we want to see the glory of the Lord. He is the hope. The hope of glory is a person, right? It's not a thing. It's not a miracle even. It's, it's a person. And that person carries heaven. And when he shows up, anything is possible, right? But if my focus is on anything outside of that, I will be disappointed, right? And a lot of people have sick hearts in the body because I believe, because um, I believe that many of us, and you know how this works, when the Lord speaks, 
to us, it usually started with us. <laughs> it's like, it's probably this was my issue first, and therefore I can talk about it. So, so honestly, I think what a lot of us have in the body, and probably not you guys, it's just a South African issue, right? But, uh, so sorry if this is out of context, but I think a lot of believers have high places in their heart, right? And in Scripture, you would see over and over how the kings or, or huge heroes of faith would have a high place in their heart. And the high place became the place of their fall or their betrayal or their deception or whatever you want to call it, right? Judas had a high place in his heart. We'll talk about that in a minute. Peter had a high place in his heart. And then, like almost all the kings you know, in the book of Kings and Chronicles had a high place in their heart. And what that is about is it's a place of worship or a place where we think we are adoring the Lord and we're worshiping Him, but we're worshiping on our terms. Does that make sense? So we, we want to serve God. We love the Lord, but I'm going to do it on my terms and not His. Is terms a good word? Does that make sense? Right? That's a high place. So I do worship. I do have reverence for the Lord but I'm going to do it the way that I like and not the way that he desires. So it's, a, it's hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's the fruit of it. It's a sick heart. It's frustration. Because why is he not responding? And he's going, why are you doing what you're doing? I had never asked for that. Right? Why do you think what you're doing is right? It's a good question. Is it a high place or is it actually the way of the Lord? And that's the challenge in life. It's like discovering which one is it, right? Because easily we can be entrapped in this thing. So I know it's weird. We're talking about the glory, but I want to start here because otherwise we're not going to get there, right? Um, Solomon, for me, is one of the most bizarre people in the Bible. I, I don't know if there's anybody that makes me as angry as Solomon. Sorry, I don't, I don't know why. Because I look at him, I'm like, you're a knucklehead. Like you had everything going for literally given on a silver platter, and you messed it up like in day one, basically. I don't know what in the world was going on, right? But have you looked at that story? It's a phenomenal story. First Kings chapter 3, if you want to open up there. I'm actually going to read a verse, all right? Are you okay with that? Are you guys alive? Are you fine? Yay. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. Now Solomon became a son-in-law to Pharaoh. Now, everything about that sentence is disturbing, right? Now Solomon became a son-in-law to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and formed an alliance by taking Pharaoh's daughter in marriage. He brought her to the city of David, where she remained temporarily, until he had finished building his own house, palace, and the house of the Lord, and the wall around Jerusalem. All right, so let's just look at that for a moment. So Solomon, like, starts off with the wrong alliance. Like, he's starting off with a stupid relationship, right, which is illegal according to Scripture in that season of time because it will steal the affection of your heart, right? Association is really important, apparently. Marriage even more so. Yeah. It's important. The affection of your heart is important. And it's a great political move, but it's a hor horrible spiritual move, right? We've got to watch out because we're great at political moves, but we suck at spiritual moves because the issue is a political move is easy. You can see it. If I manipulate you enough, I'm going to get what I want, right? But the spiritual way is always the harder way. It's always the narrow way, and it's hard, right? Because that actually means you have to trust God. And we don't like that. We do, but we don't, because trusting God takes a lot of time. And it means you've got to shut up and do your thing and not worry who's seeing and who's not seeing and allow the Lord to make a way. Politics wants to make its own way, where our way is submission, humility, waiting on the Lord. Surely it was a great deal marrying Egypt's daughter. That made sense. But spiritually, it is absolute suicide, which it was, right? 
Watch out what we compromise because we think it's a good idea, but it's a hope, it's hope deferred. It's, it's a wrong desire. It's a political move and not a spiritual move. And we miss the moment, right? Because we are good at making things happen. All of us, all of you in this room. But one thing I love about America is you guys really actually think that nothing's impossible. I love that about you. I think it's awesome, right? But the other issue with it is a lead nation, we do think we can do anything, which is a good thing, but it's a negative if it's not powered by humility and submission, right? If it's not the Lord opening the door, then I don't want to go through it. Yeah? How many of you have gone through a door which wasn't the Lord? Yeah, was that awesome? How did that work out for you? That was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, it sucked. Yeah? It's short-lived success. Where the humble, slow, lowly way is so painful. <laughs> it is slow, but it is sustainable. Because if you started it, you're going to end it. If he started it, he's going to end it. Right? If you hype it up, then all the best of that, because you're going to have to keep the hype going. If he started it up, then awesome. Then you can rest. It's really his problem, which is quite nice. Right? We need to be, Psalm 149, verse 4. It, it, how does it say? Because I, I don't want to lie to you. It says... For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Did you hear that? He will beautify the humble with salvation. Who? The humble. Not the political. Right? The humble is beautified in his salvation. Right? He will lift us up. Isn't that awesome when he lifts you up? But when you lift yourself up, we always look a little bit silly. Right? And there is no glory. The glory will not come if we exalt ourselves. He's looking for the humble. He's looking for the lowly. Those are the ones he will visit. But now you're going to go, but Hank, read the rest of the story, which I'm going to do now. Right? And he says, but in the meantime, the people were still sacrificing to God on the high places, hilltops, as the pagans did to their idols. I'm reading the Amplified. I hope that's okay with you. For there was no permanent house yet built for the name of the Lord. Now Solomon loved the Lord. Well done, Solomon. Walking at first in the statutes of David his father, except for the fact that he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. Ignoring the law that required all sacrifices to be offered at the tabernacle. The king went to Gibeon, near Jerusalem, where the tabernacle and the bronze altar stood to sacrifice there. Right? For that was a great high place. That's kind of funny. That was an awesome demonic high place. That was an awesome fleshly thing. That was an awesome place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. That's a lot. Say, that's a lot. In Gibeon, okay, wait, let's stop there. So I want you to see something. So Solomon, he's, he's doing the worship on the high place, which is the wrong place, right? It's not the Lord's place. The Lord has a set place. He has a set way. He has a set manner in which he requires us to perceive and to seek him. That's his deal. It's not your deal. We don't make the decision. He does, right? So the Lord decides, this is the way I want worship. Solomon goes, I'm going to do it this way, right? And it's great. I mean, he making, he's making a massive sacrifice, a thousand bulls or whatever it was. Huge sacrifice, right? And then the next minute, everything about the story is wrong, but then God appears to him at the place, at the high place. And we go, and it's confusing. Because why, why is God showing up at the very place where he says, I don't want to show up, and I actually don't like what you're doing. And then God not only shows up, he goes, ask me anything you want. Right? And we all know the story, give me wisdom, and there we go. So, what I want you to see is that our high places in life, right, 
This is the point. You can sacrifice as much as you want. If it's not anointed by the Lord, sacrifice is not going to create anointing. Right? Are you hearing me? Because some people are stuck because of this principle. Because you think, if I just sacrifice enough, surely the flow of heaven is going to come into this place. You can sacrifice as much as you want. If it's a high place, he might visit you, but I'm going to get to that in a moment, but it's not going to anoint you as the one. A couple of chapters earlier, King Adonijah, he made a lot of sacrifices. Here's the issue. He was never anointed as king. You can sacrifice all you want, buddy. If you're not anointed by the Lord, it means absolutely zero, right? And some of us, we're stuck because we're going, but I'm sacrificing. Don't you like, what's up? I'm sacrificing. I'm sacrificing. And the Lord's going, that's great. It's awesome. You're not anointed for this. I didn't appoint you in this thing, yet you're pushing into this thing, and it's not yours. It's just not yours. You can sacrifice a thousand more. It's not going to change a thing. If you're not anointed for it, the glory, the presence of God is not going to breathe upon that thing, and you're not moving forward, right? I can fast and pray as much as I want. I'm not a wife. I'm never going to be one, right? I'm in this weird world. It's actually possible, I know. But you know what I mean? I can do what I want. I'm just not going to be that, right? I am this, right? I can sacrifice, fast, pray, give, do as much as I want. I'm not going to turn into Randy Clark because I'm not him. Yeah? I am me. Right? You can do what you want. If it's not in the right place, with the right heart, with the right motive, it's irrelevant. And people are frustrated at God. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we're going, why is the Lord not moving? You're not in the right space. You've not moved from where you think you need to be to where God actually wants you to be. It's called idols in the heart. It's an idol. That's what it is. It's like for, for us, we had to learn over the last couple of years, you have an idol, you have an idea in your heart about how ministry should be. You have a picture. This is the way it's supposed to look. And then when it doesn't happen that way, you go, oh, okay. Hmm. Like, did we miss it? Is this not the Lord? What's going on? So we get so frustrated with what's going on, so distracted, and then if you're in that space, you actually start just functioning in the flesh because it's just negative and negative and more negative and more sick hearts, and it sucks in the end, and everybody's miserable, right? But who said the way you thought it's supposed to be is the way God thought it's going to be? Yeah? Think about this. So Moses rocks up. God calls him. God anoints him. And he says, all right, I need you to go to Egypt. You're going to set my people free, right? Small calling. A little bit of pressure. Like, hey, all right, you're going to set my people free. Okay, right? Here we go. And he shows up. And then God says, all right, I'm going to do some pretty awesome miracle signs and wonders for you. And Moses is like, whoo, this is going to be wild. I don't know what Moses was thinking. Maybe Moses was thinking, oh, the whole of Egypt's going to get born again. Yeah, it's going to be so awesome, man. The Nile's going to turn into blood. And the whole thing, the whole nation is going to fall to their feet and they're going to worship my God. It's going to be the biggest evangelistic movement the earth has ever seen. Right? And he does the first one, and they're like, yeah, we're not impressed. We can do the same. And Moses is like, ooh, I didn't see that coming. Uh, okay, back to the drawing board. Okay, Lord, we have a problem. Next one. Okay, frogs. Yeah, surely frogs. That's going to do it. And we're like, no, we can do frogs as well. Not interested. Up to the third one. Then the fourth one and the fifth and so on and so on. And nobody gets born again. Nobody. Yeah. But God moved in might and in power and in glory. It was awesome. His intention was just not to save the Egyptians. His intention was to show them who he is. And we go, 
okay, but you put me in this place, Lord. But nobody's listening to me at work. My family, nobody's turning. And the Lord's like, we're in the new covenant, so that's good news. He wants to save everyone. But sometimes you are the sign and the wonder that's pointing that there's a God. But the result is not in your hand. It's in his hand. You don't know what he's confronting in the spirit through your life. You don't know what statement he's making through your life by you just being present wherever you are. But you thought, surely if this happens, then the whole village is going to get born again. And he's like, nah. What it is going to do is I'm going to show you who I am. And I'm awesome. And if they don't want me, that's their problem. He is Lord and we are not. We don't get to decide how this thing plays out. He does. He does. And, we, and when we can let that happen, the tree of life will start rising up on the inside. And you're going to be satisfied in every single season. Because it's not about an outward result, right? But it is about the person, which is Christ, who is in you, the hope of glory. So the glory is in this hope that we have, that he is within me, and that's what gives me hope. It's not about the result. The results are awesome. Yay. But that's not the point. The point is, are you where you're supposed to be? Right? Doesn't matter how much you sacrifice, if it's out of the wrong space, the appointment won't come. Right? And if you think you can manipulate God with sacrifice and therefore he will anoint you, think again. It's not happening. Peter thought he could do it. Remember, Matthew 16. Who do the people say that I am? Peter's like, you are the son of God. You're the anointed. You're him. Right? And Jesus goes, oh, Peter, you're so awesome. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Go. Right? Peter's like, whoo, see that? <laughs> John, you thought you're the one. You thought you're the one. I'm the one after all. Right? And then the next minute, Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to die on the cross and all of that. And Peter goes, oh, no, 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 no. I don't agree with that. Can I have a word with you? And he starts talking to Jesus, rebuking Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan, right? For your mind is set on the things of man and not of God. Like from glory to absolute nosedive, right? 100%. Why? Because he thought that a suffering Christ is a really bad idea. He had a vision, he had an idea of what God should be. That's called a high place. In his mind, he thought, this is the way Jesus is. Jesus is the saving, conquering Messiah that's going to come draw his sword, and he's going to usher in the new era of the new Jerusalem and a new government and all of those things. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to die. Right? And Peter's like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I like my idea. And he's like, I don't care. Your idea sucks. <laughs> my idea is going to save the world. Right? It's important. Our ideas of him matters, right? Who you think he is actually really matters. It really matters. Because we think, this is my issue right now, we love the fact that God is love. I love that too, because it works well for me, right? And he is that. He's 100% that. But he's also holy, and he's also righteous, and he's also just, and he's also jealous, and we don't like that. And he's also a lot of other things, truth, right? And we love that he's love because we see Santa Claus. He's not Santa Claus. He's God, right? And we see love and we go, oh, that's tolerance. It's not tolerance. He's, there's nothing tolerant about the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. The love of God strips you bare naked, puts everything about who you are on the inside on display, and he says, do you want to deal with that or not? That's love. That's love, right? He breaks everything down inside of us by his love, and he goes, 
okay, do you see yourself? How do you feel about that? Do you want to change? I can actually help with that part, right? But our love is, is different. Our concept of it is wrong. And it's part of a high place in our hearts. It's a, an idol that we build and saying, this is who he's supposed to be. But I don't think this is who he is now. Right? We, we love that, that verse. And I think there's a song about it. Funny, he, sing, he sings and dances over us. You know, Zephaniah 3, verse 17. That's an awesome verse, right? The Lord rejoices over you. He sings and he dances. And that's such a sweet verse. Unle except if you read the first part, right? What does the first part say? The Lord is in your midst as a warrior. And if you read that word, it's a tyrant, a giant. It's a mighty man. This is not something you play with, right? He's not to be played with, this God. He's not to be handled with filthy hands and our little ideas of who he is. He is a mighty warrior in our midst, and that one is dancing over you and rejoicing over you, sword drawn, fire in his eyes, right? Sound like the rushing of waters. That's who he is. He's mighty and he's powerful. But our high place has decided that this is what he looks like, so I'm going to worship the God of love. And it's fluffy, but it's not him. Right? What, are the Lord, what about the Lord of hosts? What if that's the way he's manifesting in this hour, the warrior God, right? That's the one that I believe is on the scene at the moment. But we struggle to see that one, and therefore we have a soft faith that when a little push comes, we go, mm. right? We need soldiers, we need this bride to rise up, and she's a bride, but she's also a warrior, because he is. And we need to be bold in the Lord, and in that boldness, I'm telling you, if you step into that side of God, there's an authority and a presence and a glory that starts coming into the room that is incredible, and it's what is needed in this hour, right? I love the fact that he's inviting, that he's merciful and gracious. That is never going to change. Thank you, Jesus. It's like a guy, but he was an ultra-grace universalist guy. I didn't know that. See, he phones me. He's like, do you want to, you know, I wanted, want you to preach at my church. I probably should have asked more questions. Taylor, I didn't. Sorry about that. So I prayed, and I feel like, yeah, I should go. So I phone him back. I'm like, honestly, that's what I felt. I phone him. I say, yeah, I feel I need to go. I knew nothing about him. He's like, how do you feel about grace? Now, that should have been my cue. I'm like, well, I like it, you know. <laughs> well, that's a dumb question. Of course I like it. He's like, okay, that's good. I'm like, yeah. So I show up at his church, right? So they're universalists. You know what that is. So they mean there is no hell. There is no heaven. There is a God, but he's super fluffy, super Santa Claus vibe. Uh, so we don't need to pray for that reason because what's the point? And, um, you know, we can basically do whatever we want. We're all good. He loves us. All roads lead to him. So that's, I find that out five minutes before I'm preaching. I'm like, hmm, yeah, we're going to disagree on a couple of things, but it's too late now. I'm here. Here we go. Anyway, so, um, so, so we started ministering that day. It was pretty awesome. So I do church. Like, I look to them like an alien 100%. Like, I can see it. Every word I'm saying, we're like, oh, you know. Um, but pretty cool because a lot of gays in the church because, hey, it's a, you know, nobody's going to hell, so everybody can come, which is kind of cool about Christ. Not kind of, but very cool. So people feel welcome, which I think is pretty awesome. But you've got to give them the truth as well. Yeah. So anyway, so I preach. So I call people out. It's like maybe like 600 people in the church. Call them out for prayer. I didn't know they didn't pray. I only heard that after service. So I'm like, hey, does everyone want prayer for a church that doesn't pray? It was quite phenomenal. Everyone wants prayer. Rush to the front. I'm like, yeah, this is obviously very normal in this church. They line up. I probably should have noticed that as well. There's no catcher. So I'm just thinking, maybe there's some of those people who just think if you need a catcher, it's not real. So I'm like, oh, whatever. All right, so here we go. So there's a lady standing there. I'm coming down. Now the whole church is nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm just having fun. So she stands up. I'm walking up to her, and I, I just, I'm not trying to be funny. I just lift my hand. I'm walking to her, and the next minute, the power of God hits her, and she just whoo, flies back. She hits the floor, but one of those where you hear it in the whole room, like whack. And I'm going, whew. 
And the whole church, and I look at him, I'm, I think I need catchers. He's like, we'll make a plan. I'm like, okay, thank you very much, sir. So we start praying. Guys, it was wild. People got out of wheelchairs. It, it was insane. He, the pastor gets healed of a 26-year throat condition, right? He's like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. So the night after the second service, we're sitting, you know, sitting on, at the dinner table, and he just looks at me. He's like, so I can see that. He's like, everything you do, I don't believe. I'm like, yep, I get that. And then he goes, he says, I don't even believe in healing, but this is my problem. I'm healed. I'm like, yep, right? My point is this, they had a high place called universal, it's stupid, but they had one, right, called universalism, and they shaped their God the way they, want, the way they want him to look, because that works for their world, right? But now the real God shows up, and he messes with your world, and it leaves you at a choice, a decision about what you're going to do. Even though it was a high place, this church, God rocks up, people are getting out of wheelchairs, people are getting delivered, Solomon gets a visitation at Gibeon, God says, what do you want, whatever you want, he gets it. The visitation is actually supposed to make you turn back to the right way of worship. Are you with me? But we think the visitation is an affirmation that what I'm doing is right. It's not. It doesn't even affirm that I'm right. It just affirms that he's awesome. Right? Some of us are stuck because you think, okay, but God visited me here, so surely that means I'm right. No, it doesn't. That was mercy. It was mercy. Right? Mercy came and said, hey, Get up out of Gibeon, right? Because Gibeon was awesome. There was a bronze altar and there was the, the labor of incense. It was amazing. It looked so close to the real deal. But guess what? The Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem. Awesome visitation. No glory. And what does Solomon do? He gets up. God says, all right, you can have it. He gets up. Verse 15 he runs to Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant is and he starts worshiping right there. Mercy visited him in the visitation and finally Solomon pushes back to the right direction, which is the glory of the Lord, right? Don't be fooled by thinking that every miracle, every sign, every wonder means I'm right. It doesn't. It means he's good. That's what it means and it means it's mercy, and the fear of the Lord should come upon us in those moments where we go, oh my gosh, this is awesome. What do you want me to do? Conviction should come, but that's only in humility, guys. Because that way we're going to access the glory, what we all want. We're going to see the more of God, but we've got to find that ark. And he's in us right now. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But there is a throne in heaven. There is a way to approach the Lord. There is a protocol in our worship of the Lord. And it's not restriction. It's not old covenant stuff. It's none of that. There's just, there's just a way you speak to people who has power. Right? There's just a way. I don't care what you think. There is a way. There's a way that we approach our Lord. We have to do that. I love, it's, it's, it's intense, but are you guys okay? So John 18 verse 2, like it's, it's where Jesus is betrayed by Judas, right? And it says it so beautifully. It says, so Judas brought all the soldiers to Gethsemane, the place where Jesus met with his disciples often. Isn't that wild? <laughs> So this very place of encounter, right, the place where Jesus would sit and speak to them over and over and over again, becomes the place where Judas decides, this is a great place to betray the master. How do we do that, right? It's idols in our heart. Judas also didn't like the suffering Christ. He hated that. He didn't like that. He wanted something else. And when we're disillusioned with the Lord, this is what I want to get to. 
when we're disillusioned in life, a sick heart, right? You can go back to the most powerful encounter in your life and you can make, turn that into nothing because of what's going on in your heart. Isn't that scary? Right? Simple example. We sit with people. They got married. Now they're in a hard space. They come and see us. And they're going, I just don't love her anymore. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like we made a mistake way in the beginning. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, excuse me? So this person that you're doing life with, that you're one with, that you shared the most intimate moments of your life with, right? This is a mistake now? That's not, that's not a mistake. That is something is wrong in your heart. Something built up in your heart, and you cannot even see this oneness, this union. You cannot even see that as holy and pure and good anymore. What do we do? Yeah, I trusted the Lord that it didn't work out, you know, so I don't know. Maybe healing's just not for me, or I don't know. He loves other people, but he doesn't love me that much. I know identity is real for those people, but I, I don't know. It's just not the way it worked for me. No, I don't know. You allowed flesh to dictate spirit. That's not the way it works. Right? You allowed your emotion, your disappointment, your disillusionment to define God. And all of us sang the song, Lord, have your way in me. At some point, we might have even wept a little bit. All of us at some point said, here am I, Lord, send me. Isaiah. And then the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to send you Isaiah, because he did. And he's like, you're going to speak to people they are just not going to listen to you. They're going to hate every word you say. Have fun. Right? All of these things will steal from the glory. And it withholds us from entering into this awesome place called the presence. Because we come with an agenda, we come with an idea of how we want him to be. Hannah, not you, but you, Hannah is such an interesting person. I think I'm going to end with this, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. Hannah, she's barren. Uh, all right, she's feels uh, persecuted. What's her sister's name? Was it her sister? I don't know. But she feels persecuted by that other one that's having babies all the time. Everybody's having babies, all of them. She's not, right? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> they're like, Lord, help. Anyway, so she goes, she goes into intercession. It's, phenom it's phenomenal. I wish I can see the videotape in it. Who talks about a video? Like even, I don't know. I see, wish I could see. Old people, <laughs> yeah, I'm 43, just gave that away, right? <laughs> so she, she says she's interceding, uh, she wants a baby, and she calls the Lord a name nobody else has called him before, right? It's, it's wild. She, and, and I want you to think, because in your mind, if you think barren, need a baby, that kind of a thing, right? I probably need love. God of love to come down now and fix this. Or I need mercy or grace, which is all awesome. I love all of those. Don't, please don't get me wrong, right? But Hannah goes and she calls to the Lord of hosts. First time in the Bible. Right? Why could she see that in that moment? Because that's the glory, by the way. When the glory shows up, you see yeah, when the glory shows up, the eyes open and we go, oh, it's like, you know, Elijah, Elisha with his servant, you know, open my eyes, Lord, but you can see when the glory shows up, our eyes goes, whoa, those who are for me are way more than those who are against me, right? So she's in that place interceding, suddenly her eyes opens 
And she starts calling God something nobody else has called him ever before, Lord of hosts. That's the Lord, the warrior, the armies of heaven. That's the general, the you know, sword drawn. That's the one. She calls on him in that moment, and that's the one that breaks through for her. Don't you love the fact that she tapped into something that nobody else has tapped into before? She saw something that nobody else has seen before. And that opens the heavens and it opens the womb, like physically, really, but I want you to see it spiritually. It opens something spiritually over our lives. And this is the wildest thing of all of it. Samuel is the sign. He's the birthing of the prophetic in the Bible almost. Right? So she calls on the Lord of hosts and suddenly the prophetic is birthed into Scripture. This little lady that I don't know what's her deal, but what the heck did she see that opens that thing up for a generation, right? And everything changes in that moment, right? You've got it. We must see God for who He is in this hour. Listen, guys, 10 years ago was awesome. 20 years ago was awesome. 30 years ago was awesome. We're not there anymore. I'm sorry. We're right here in this day, in this hour. You've got to see Him now for who He is. And if there's high places in our heart, we've got to get it out of the way. I don't want to miss my Samuel, right? I don't want to miss my Samuel because I'm calling out on something that he doesn't want to be right now. He wants to be something now for us. I want to step into that, right? I don't want an idol in my heart, an image of God that I think is awesome, but this is not what he's saying. He's not wanting to be called by that name right now, right? What is the name that the Lord is putting in your heart that He wants you to call out to this part of who He is? Because that's going to bring God into the atmosphere into, and open that womb over your life. That only comes through intimacy and stay away from the high place. Go to the glory. Go to the place of presence. Not perceived presence. Presence. Right? What does it look like to step into that place? I love it because Matthew, remember, Mount of Transfiguration, all the stuff happening, Peter again, <laughs> love Peter, like let's build a tent. No, we're not building tents today, right? Clouds and all of this stuff and then a beautiful verse and it says, and Peter fell down, John, Peter, James fell down and when they opened their eyes, they saw only Jesus. That's, that's where we want to be. They saw only Jesus. Every high place was removed because Peter got scared. His pants were shaking, right? Because the fear of the Lord, the wonder of God stepped into the room. If your revelation is not producing wonder, I need you to have a look at it. Right? Because it is a fearful and wonderful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want to fall into the hands of the living God. And I want revelation of him to scare the living daylights out of me in a really good way. I want to be in awe. I want to be amazed. I want the fear of the Lord on my life. Right? I don't want to think I have him figured out because of wherever I come from in the world. I want to be like Hannah. I want to be that humble, that lowly. I want to measure it right. And I want my encounters to move me to presence. I want my encounters to move me to the feet of Jesus. Too many people in the body have awesome encounters, but it puffs them up, moves them into pride. Encounters should humble me, right? It should make me like Moses. He sat with God for 40 days on a mountain, right? And then he has another opportunity and he goes, show me your glory. That's humility. What didn't he see the first time? I mean, but because he saw the first time, he goes, oh my goodness, there's more. I've got to see that. Right? Friends, the high place must go if we want the glory of the Lord to fall 
into our lives, into our churches, into our workplace, into our families. By the way, it's got to start at home. It's got to start at home. Families worshiping together. Families learning how to do presence together. And then this family doing it together. And then the greater body doing it together. Wouldn't that be awesome? But we've got to allow him to shift us and move us. We've got to be humble enough to be living with an open hand. And what I mean with that is to be loose on what he gives. So he gives this and he's so glorious, but he can remove that with a new revelation any moment he wants. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm just worried that we think we have it figured out. I'm worried that I think I have it figured out. And I really don't. I don't want a high place in my heart. I hate it when you read about the kings and they go, this one loved the Lord. He did this and he did this according to his father David. I hate that part as well. I thought about it the other day. It's awesome. But I thought about it the other day. If the only reason I have favorite on my life is because of my father David, like in that context, that really sucks. Grateful for fathers and mothers in the faith. Man, what a joy. But I want my own story with God. I want God to look at me and go, I'm impressed with you. Not just because of them. I, I, I want God to rejoice over me because he just rejoices over me. I want my own favor with the Lord. And then those stories always goes on. They did everything well, but they never removed the high place. I don't want that. Right? I want that for you. I don't want that for me. And it's so many distractions, so many things that takes our attentions, that's feeding us, and this is creating our image of God. And we don't want that, right? I don't want that. And my desire is that a tree of life will rise up on the inside. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That that love, that desire for his presence to dwell in me would constantly release the glory around me. That's what we want. Can I end with a story? We're sitting on, a, um, we're sitting on an airport we're in, it's a silly story, but I like it. Um, not silly. So we're sitting in the Ukraine with a wild Russian prophet friend of mine, Dima. Oh, he's the wildest thing. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely unruly, but awesome. Most unique person I've ever met in my life. I just love that about him. He's just who he is. So we're sitting on an airport. We're waiting for a connection flight somewhere. don't know where. And um, half of the time, I don't know where I am. And a little GPS lady, and that's it. Like, okay. <laughs> and um, so we're sitting on this airport, and he, he left to go to the restroom. Do you say restroom, or what do you say? Restroom? All right. Restroom. So he goes to the restroom. So I'm stuck there alone, but right next to me, like in the next chair, like awkwardly close, like that. There's a, um, there's a young couple passionately, passionately in love with one another. <laughs> Or in lust. I don't know which one it was because we're not married. But oh my gosh, this, I mean, it is a tongue lashing going on. I'm just like, whoa, take it easy, you know. And, um, and I mean, she's turned with her backside towards me. And I mean, it's just awkward. Stuff is sticking out that shouldn't be sticking out. It's just like, I wasn't even old, but I'm just like, man, this lady needs clothes. She needs help. They're poor. I don't know what's going on, right? Anyway, here's going on. I'm just so awkward. I'm hating this. I'm like, oh, I hate this. And I'm thinking, I can't talk to them, they're Russian, and it's just, you don't do that, you just don't go, hey, you, you know, it's just weird. And um, so I'm just like, I'm sitting there, and I'm going, well, Lord, um, you say that your presence will bring conviction, and that your presence can change the atmosphere, so I'm like, let's do that. So I'm just sitting there, and in my annoyance, <laughs> I just start focusing on Christ in me, because he's here, right? So if I can just connect with what is in me, Surely the glory should, yeah, right? Is that just me? So surely the glory should be released over in the atmosphere. So I'm just going, all right, I'm just starting feeling like, Lord, please, thank you for your presence. I'm focusing on union with him. And as I'm doing it, I'm just releasing the presence in the room. So I'm just going, Lord, would you just fill this place? And I mean, they are really in love, these two, right? And I'm just, I'm just kind of shutting off the next minute. And I'm sitting like this, and I can feel the presence is just starting to move, right? 
And the next minute, it was the weirdest thing. Full on. And the next minute, she just pops up like this. She looks over to me. And she pulls everything right, sits and leaves the guy's hand. And she just sits there. I'm like, that was interesting. Isn't that awesome? The presence of the Lord can do that. Right? We've been in places and we would just stand. We were in this, it was a drug house uh, back in the city where we grew up. Oh, it was rough. So you're standing here, guys are shooting heroin there. It's just, it's intense, right? But we're having fun. I think we're having fun. <laughs> so we're convincing ourselves this is fun. Um, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. So we're just worshiping there. We are having fun. So we're worshiping. And again, one of those stories where I would have loved for them to be drawn to the presence. That would have been fun. But what they did is they would come to the presence and they would just look at us. And then the next minute, this one guy just starts manifesting a demon right there. This thing is just manifest. He like, couldn't stand. He ran away, lost his mind. I'm like, I would have liked him for him to stay. But do you get that the presence has an effect? The glory has an effect. And our villages, like they believe to this day, and it's kind of what's happening, they believe to this day that the way they know we are there is that when we arrive, it starts raining. Right? So the old people, because it's not always network, we're old, they're gone. So the way they know we're there is they would phone. When it starts raining, they go, oh, the white people are here. Sorry, that's what they, they call us mulungus, which is kind of a funny word. It means white foam. Sorry, but that's the... <laughs> but it's an endearing term, right? So they, that means the white foam has arrived. So we're like, hey, the white foam is here. Woo-hoo! <laughs> and we just enjoy it. We like each other, honestly, we do. So it's not an issue. But isn't it awesome? That the glory, the presence that's on your life can unlock blessing over a region. It can unlock something over an area. It just opens the door for the Lord to do whatever he wants to do. That's amazing. I like that. Right? The other day we were with a family in Austin, Texas. You're beautiful. It's a beautiful place. My goodness. Austin, Texas. What did I say? Let's keep Austin weird, which is weird. But an awesome city, very Christian, very friends of ours, um, young family, loving the Lord. And we're just talking about God. We're not pushing for anything. We're just, it was Thanksgiving, actually. So we had, I'm sorry to insult you, but we had chicken burgers for Thanksgiving. I don't think that's legal, but that's what we did. That's what happens when you leave a bunch of South Africans to have their own Thanksgiving. It's going to get weird, right? And uh, so we're having chicken burgers for Thanksgiving. It was awesome, chicken burgers. Uh, we tried to watch a game of football, but I just couldn't do it. I'm, I'm sorry. It was like... Stop, start, stop. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're going to have to teach me your ways, all right? <laughs> so we're watching this thing. I'm just going, oh, no, this is bad. So we switched it off, but we felt super American, all right? And um, what else did we do? A dog show. There was a dog show. We had eggnog, which I think is the wrong time, but anyway, that was fun. We had big apple pie, like a lot of it, it's like a lot left. Anyway, that was our day. But we love Jesus, right? And we're just hanging out and fellowshipping together. And the next moment we're talking and this big white feather just drops. Right there in the middle of us. And they're going, what? I'm going, what? And this is awesome. Yay. Life goes on, right? But the glory of the Lord, the presence, without an agenda, anything can happen. Right? You're like, why did the feather fall? I have no idea. I have a friend, he used to say, because gold dust would come sometimes. Sorry if you don't like that, but it happened. And he always said, and I say the same, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that favor fell. I'm sorry about that. I didn't do anything, right? It, we were just having pie and the favor fell. It's not my fault. And they would ask him, they'd say, how do you know it's gold dust? He's like, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's just glittery stuff. And he's like, I don't care if it's plastic. The point is, it wasn't here and now it's here. That's awesome, right? <laughs> It's David Hogan. He's like a rough, you know. He's <laughs> like, I don't care what it was, man. Even if it's plastic, we started praising God, now it's here. <laughs> Who cares? The point is, something manifests. Why? Because the focus is Jesus. We don't have an agenda. And suddenly, anything can move in the room, right? It's not a high place. It's the glory. It's the realm of his presence. But what we need to do is we need to get the idol out of our heart. And that's what I want to do. Is that okay? So I want us to pray this thing, two things. I want us to pray that if there's a high place in your heart, that God will come and show you. Right? 
if you're stuck and this thing is going around and around and around and around, and boy, you're sacrificing, but it's not releasing. I want us to maybe go, Lord, what are you doing? Am I missing the point? Did you actually anoint me for something else, but I'm trying to be this? And it's actually his grace that's keeping you out of that thing that you want. Right? You've got to just be with the Lord for a moment. Just say, Lord, would you just speak? And then the second thing that I want to do is I want to pray Psalm 63, verse 5, in the Passion Translation. It says it so beautifully. I shouldn't have shut that thing down. It says, I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. Right? You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. That's beautiful. The anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. I want us to give a moment and just go, if there's anything in your heart that needs to be removed, can we do that? Did we miss the sign of mercy for affirmation? Just be real with God. Just go, Lord, help Right? And if there's nothing, please, then don't look for something. We're not being silly. And once we're done with that, I want to pray for whoever wants to, for the anointing of his presence to come. That's the glory. That's it. That's what we want. We want the glory of the Lord in our lives. Because there's healing in that. There's liberty in that. There's a lot of things in that. More than anything, he's in that. And we want that. Right? Is that okay if we ministered like that? All right, so let's stand together. If you guys want to play on the keyboard or something, that'll be cool. Unless if you're too tired, then I will get that to you. All right, so can we close our eyes? I hope that's okay. Does that make sense? All right, all right. Just close your eyes for a minute. All right, Lord. If, there, if there's anything in our hearts, Lord, we just want to come before you right now. Would you just be real with God for a moment? Lord, if there's anything in my heart that is a hindrance, Lord, that is an idol, that is a high place that I've built up, Lord, even if it looks so good, Jesus, I, I need you to come and speak to me. I need you to come and speak to everyone in this room. If we're holding on to old manna, if we're holding on, holding on to an old move, old moment with you, we want to let that go as well. And I pray, Lord, that like Hannah, you would give us the name for this hour, the revelation for this hour that's going to open that womb and the Spirit over our lives. In Jesus' name. So guys, I want you to take this moment and just start speaking to Him. Pray where you are. Just start crying out. Lord, if there's anything, would you show me? If there's anything that needs to be removed, show me. And then if you feel like there's barrenness in your spiritual walk, just start going, Lord, how do you want me to call out to you right now? And I'm telling you, there's something about the warrior in this season. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. Psalm 46.10, we love that. Be still and know that I am God. That whole psalm is about war. Everything about that psalm is about war. And there in the middle is our favorite verse. Be still and know that I am God. Why? Because the Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. Some of you need to see Him, the Lord of hosts, right now. The warrior God, fire in His eyes, sword drawn, right? He's with you, right? He's the one who wants to fight your battle. He's the one that's singing, dancing, rejoicing over you. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that wants to open that womb in the Spirit over you, that life can start moving in a supernatural way, that things can be birthed in this hour. So Lord, I pray for us for revelation about that. I pray for us for the revelation that's going to release the traction in the Spirit that we need in this hour. Lord, I don't just pray it for this house, but I pray it for this city. I pray it for this nation. 
I pray it for my nation, Lord. Give us the revelation of who you want to be now in Jesus' name. That revelation that's going to birth what is necessary, Lord. Would you come, Lord? Just say that to Him. Lord, come. Lord, come. Open my eyes. Open my heart. Open my spirit. Show me. If you need to repent, I want you to repent. If there's something you need to give back to Him, I want you to give it back. I had to give miracle, you need to hear this, I had to give miracle testimony stories back to the Lord because it became an idol. I became a party trick. Invite me and I'm going to tell you cool miracle stories. That's an idol. It's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. Not all of it is for people. Right? Some of it is just for you. You had to see it. You just had to see it. That's all. Right? Give it back. 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 It was His from the very beginning. It's His glory. It's His anointing. It's His oil. It's His miracles. It's His resurrections. It's His. It's not ours. It was His people. It's His church. It's His business. Those children that you're raising, it's actually His. So do it His way. It's all His. Give it back. Man, I can feel like the presence coming in as you guys are doing this. There's like this release. Something is lifting off. Burdens are lifting. Things are lifting off of your shoulder because we're just giving back to Him what's His. Don't hold on. Right? If you feel, if you feel like you've dealt with that, and something is broken and you say, Lord, I want the anointing of your presence. You can come to the front. I'm just going to pray with you that that glory of the Lord will touch us. In the anointing of your presence, I find fullness of satisfaction. So, Lord, thank you. Just touch us. Touch us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.